Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. So glad that you're with us today, and I get to uh, visit with somebody that I've known on Facebook for a while, but I've never seen or talked to in person until now. His name is Mark Venerable, and Mark's uh, from, he was born in Texas, uh, New Mexico raised. He lives in Tennessee now. He's got four boys, 21 and older, and a grandson. And uh, he travels around the country with uh, his business. He's a credit card representative. And he just has wonderful things to post and comment on on Facebook, which is how I connected with him. And I always appreciate those. And we've been trying to get together for a while. And we're both busy men. But here we are. So, Mark, welcome to Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you. I've got uh, a couple of three of your books, and I learned from a lot of a lot of folks, you included. I am new to the Grace Walk, really just needed to find a better understanding of who God was, you know, probably five or six years ago. And uh, my first introduction was with Joseph Prince, honestly. I, yeah, I saw him on TV a lot, and uh, I bought his, several of his books. I downloaded like 28 of his sermons, and I was just, I was just immersing myself with, with the knowledge of grace that I have or had done or wanted to learn. So that's how I... I just knew it had to be a better way. So, um, yeah, well, there is a better uh, I've way. I've learned a little bit and got a whole lot to learn. So, um, well, we all do, uh, Mark. I used to listen and read a lot to Joseph Prince, and and I've got his books. And we're all on a journey. And uh, for me, and and for you too, I guess at a certain time and place, he was the right person to listen to. And God puts others in our life. So, in the five or six years that you've been on this grace journey, tell me. How's that affected your relationships with your boys and your customers, people at work, uh, just everybody in your life? Well, in the religious world, you know, there's divisions. If people haven't asked Jesus in their heart, and then they're they're a non-believer. And um, I really do believe now that uh, we've never been separated from God. I, he made us in His own image, and uh, this idea that um, you know, I came out with kind of I'm, I'm kind of an analogy person. We've heard the story of Adam and Eve, and you can eat everything of the garden, but this one, you know, and and I'm thinking about a little five-year-old boy or something. His mom and dad, near Christmas, they have this wonderful, beautifully wrapped package. They bring it in, and, of course, Johnny, he's just so excited. He's jumping up and down. They say, now, Johnny, this is for you, but you cannot open this until Christmas Day. There'll be severe consequences, you know, if you do. And, um, you know, he just can't help himself. He's 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 looks at it, listens to it, shakes it. He just can't help himself. You know, he's just so excited. He can't sleep and, and it's a little closer to Christmas. He finally, he, he just can't, he just can't handle it anymore. He goes and opens the gift. Now would a good father say, Johnny, you're so much loved. You know, tell you what, let's put this, let's put this thing back in the package and we'll open it on Christmas morning. But this God that we were told to believe in would say, okay, you did it. I told you, there'll be, you're out of here. You're gone. Nobody would believe that. 
Nobody would believe that. Yet we're taught to believe in the church that this loving God will set up this beautiful fruit and you can't touch it, you can't eat it. And then if he's all knowing and you know knows the future and he knew they were going to do it, you know, I just got to where I couldn't believe that anymore. I just couldn't believe it anymore. So there was a time when life was really hard for me that I just decided there can't be a God. And so that didn't last long. You know, I think it's Romans chapter one that talks about we can be convinced because of what we see, you know, God create. So it's been a journey. I am. I hear Don Keithley say, you know, go ahead and just deconstruct, you know, do it. You know, well, I can't just do that. It's been a longer process for me. And I still struggle with, uh, you know, wrong emotions. And it just for me, when I was, I was over 50 years old when I started searching for, for a better way. So, uh, but it helps me to love people because I know that I'm unconditionally loved. At least I, I try to know it. I know it, but I don't always feel it. My emotions don't always line up with what I feel, if that makes sense. So if I see everybody as a brother and everybody is deeply loved, then uh, we're sort of on the same team. Yeah. And it's kind of easier to love your teammates than, than an enemy or a perceived enemy. So uh, yeah. still learning, still growing. Just a matter of fact, I, you know, I had to read my Bible. It's just one of the things that I had to do to please and appease an angry God. And I, I haven't read the Bible really much in about seven or eight years. I, I listened to you give your interpretations and Steve McVeigh and, Don Keithley and, you know, Mike Popovich and many others, but, and, and I received that, but I just, uh, Stephen Ray told me one time, Mark, there'll be a time you'll, you'll be able to read the Bible and you'll be able to write, read it you know, with the right intention, you know, the right heart, right heart. And I, I suppose I will, I don't know. It's just, it was just so hard, you know, for over 50 years, I had to do it. Yeah. Uh, now, maybe one day I'll, it'll be part of my daily routine. But for me, it's just a long process of just all I want to know is that I'm loved. I, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in meditation and, you know, being quiet and still. So um, anyway, sorry for that rambling answer there. No, no. And of course, you are loved. We we know that. But as you mentioned, sometimes, you know, we can forget or we can fall back into that old mindset of thinking, oh, man, I just lost my temper or had this thought or whatever, you know, does God really love me? I mean, because we, we felt that way for so long, for so many years. You're a quick learner. I'd been a pastor for 20 years, and I was 62, 63 years old before I started getting this 10, 11 years ago. So, but we're all right on time. So you had a religious background, right? Oh, yeah. And at some point in time, that no longer worked for you. Is that right? Well, uh I see no reason to name the denomination, but uh, it was always hell, you know, brimstone, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so we'd, the preacher would guilt you. You can go down to this altar and, you know, and, and, you know, kneel at the altar and basically beg God to save you, you know. And so, but they had this uh, horrible terminology that said, if you didn't pray through, then you weren't saved. And so what did that teach you about the character and nature of God? He didn't really want to save you, you know. I don't know. The guy. I used to be a chapter and verse guy. I'm not anymore, but I know there's a verse that's something, like, that's something like, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the suffering of the cross. So you'd think he'd be hooting and hollering and jumping up and down and say, welcome to the kingdom, my beloved child, all that sort of thing. But no, you were, if you didn't pray through, and you could pray through all night, you could pray all night. But if you weren't contrite enough, if you didn't hold your mouth right, I don't know, then God rejected that at the altar. So I had this, that was the vision that I had of God from basically my whole life. And uh, I read the Bible and I, you know, I had a quiet time and, you know, the tithe was a big deal too, because I always paid it, but I, you know, felt like I just couldn't afford 10%. Well, that, that produces guilt as well. So 
I learned now God doesn't really need your money. And the, and the tithe was really for the for one tribe out of the 12 tribes of Israel, you know, after they crossed the Jordan. And I've heard Steve McVeigh talk about it. There's times when you have hardship in your life and that hardship leads you to find, look for a better way, a different way. So it was, it was just some hard times that uh, led me to just think there's got to be something different. There's got to be something better. How did it actually happen for you, Mark? You were searching, you were hoping for something better. Did somebody send you a book? Did you find somebody online? Uh, did God speak to you? I think it started out, I've seen Joseph Prince on, on TV that talked about, you know, Old Covenant, New Covenant. Mm-hmm. And would bring the verses in Hebrews, it talks about there'd be no reason for a New Covenant if, if, the, if the old one was still good and it, you know, it's now obsolete, you know, and... Uh, and uh, I'm not sure about that now. I, you know, Scripture tells us God never changes. You know, I think Brad, Brad Jerzak talks about things Psalm 139.4, 139.7 that says, uh, happy you will be if you throw the infant skulls against the rocks. And, uh, you know, every word of Scripture is supposed to be inspired. And I thought, well, how can you make a doctrine out of that verse, you know? So, and it can't be both ways. Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. Yeah. He would have picked up a stone at the... Uh, the lady caught in, uh, caught in the very act of adultery, and he would have joined right in, you know. Yeah. But he didn't do it. No. So that tells me that God the Father is not that way. It's not that way. I agree that he doesn't ever change. The way he's portrayed in the Old Testament is just incorrect. That's the nicest way you can say it, really. I don't know if you know Dave Carringer. He's in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee area. He's written a book, and yeah. I follow him on Facebook. And, you know, basically, he, these are Moses' words. Yeah. You no. Know? And I'm sure he was sincere. He wanted to write down what he thought God was telling him, but he just had to have it wrong on, on, on some measure, you know. So <laughs> I think God's way better than what we thought, what we were told. So my main activity now is just like spend a lot of time in, in uh, meditation, just uh, meditating on the love of God and that I've never been separated. And, uh, you know, things like in him, we live and move and have, have our being. We couldn't have been separated from God. We couldn't have, but just by sheer um, physics, you know, we couldn't have been separated from God. If we were, we wouldn't be here talking about it. No, I'm not scientifically oriented. I've never had physics or anything like that, but I do love hearing about quantum physics and how the basics of it that I can understand from Steve McVeigh's teaching and, and other people. But it's just impossible that we could even exist without God, let alone that we could ever have come into being. And to say that we're separate <laughs> and that he's there somewhere, and it doesn't pass the smell test anymore, does it? No, it doesn't. So I'm very much still on the journey. I still struggle with with wounded, damaged emotions. And uh, so Don Keith would probably uh, get on me a little bit. Mark, come on, just go ahead and do the D stuff right now. Get over, get it over with. But it's just uh, something else, a longer process for me. And so, but the feelings of guilt and shame just overwhelm me. You know, I'd be in a funk for months. Now it may be a day. I believe I know the truth. Mm. And I, I don't believe the emotions that come rising up and can overwhelm a person, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that's a big change from now only being in a funk for a day. I, that's kind of my case. You know, I can still have those thoughts and get down, but I'm certainly learning to just to stop and say, oh, okay, Papa, Jesus, what, he's not, he didn't care what you call him. Tell me what's going on here. What, you know, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to hear? And, and sometimes if it's somebody else that's put me down or judged me or criticize me or whatever, you know, I'll just say, what do you want me to know about that other person? And, you know, when I'm quiet, he will 
always tell me, sometimes it's a general thing, like they got their own stuff that they're dealing with. They, it's just like the people that crucified Jesus. They don't know what they're doing. You know, that's more about them than you. You just listen to me and you'll be okay. Sometimes he'll tell me something very specific. You know, sometimes he'll say, well, this has happened in their past and what you said to them really triggered that. And, uh, and I'll go, oh, yeah, I, I do know that about them. Uh, uh, and then again, you know, then I can go back and make amends. And as far it depends on me, I can can live at peace. We can't control the other person's actions, but we can do our part and we can sure listen to God and let him speak to us. And that's what my makes son, Matthew, uh, he's 33 now. He uh, said he has cerebral palsy, lives in an assisted living home. And I go pick him up every Sunday afternoon and I bring him home. And we, uh, our routine is to watch a movie or two. And that was kind of our family activity back in the day when all the family was home was to watch a movie because Matthew was very limited physically, you know, but he struggled with things because that's, we taught him what we, we taught him basic legalistic Christian evangelism or whatever, or evangelicalism. And uh, so uh, I've told him, I, I, I don't believe that a good God could ever create uh, eternal conscious torment. I don't think it's ever even entered his mind. And I talked about his own birth. I said, Matthew, what do you have to do to be my son? Well, exist. And I said, yeah, you had nothing to do with it. Your mom and I decided we want to have a child, and you were created. You didn't have even have a choice in the matter. You, you became our son because we want a child. Certainly, it's the same way in the spiritual realm. Certainly, it is. If we exist, then we're a child of God. This this long, complicated, futile, mind-blowing, guilt-riddled thing that we have to do. we got to pray. we got to do this. we got to go to church, blah, 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 blah. People use the, the term, you're doomed for eternal conscious trauma until you say the magic words, you know. You know, Matthew didn't have to say any magic words. It was already done. It was completed before he even had knowledge of it. Saul didn't say the magic words. <laughs> God, God just showed up to him. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I think that's a good revelation to me. You know, I, I want Matt to just, I'm a son. Just bask in that. Just get to know your dad, you know. Just get to know your dad. Yeah. That's it. The idea, even even things like worship, I guess it's okay to worship God, but the thought that my children would want to come around me and lean down on bended knees and worship me, that, that seems really weird. I, I, you know, I, <laughs> uh, you know, I let's just talk. Let's just have a chat. You know, I'm not a fisherman, but that would be, you know, let's just go fishing, you know, but, you know, I, I They'll have to learn to teach me because I don't know nothing about it. Yeah, he just wants to hang out with us. And whatever we like to do, whether it's fishing or hunting or playing music or whatever, watching a movie together, whatever, that he's there with us and he enjoys that. I mean, he delights in that. And uh, that's a hard thing for us to grasp. But boy, once we know it, once we know it, it puts a smile on our face, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm learning. I'm learning. I um, My default when I wake up, you know, most of my life is, okay, have I done everything? Do I, okay, I've got to read the Bible for sure. I've got to have a quiet time for sure. You know, I want my worship to be pure. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pleasing to God. Now it's just, thank you, Father. I'm, I'm your son. I've always been your son. I've never been separated. Uh, give me more knowledge of that. Uh, you know, it's a fact. So it really is just becoming more and more aware of who we are, really. There's nothing we have to do. You know, I said just in, in a spiritual sense, just the same with my son. You know, I, he had nothing to do with becoming a son, nothing. And I've got nothing to do with being a son. I am a son. So it's becoming more and more aware that, that I am a son, I'm, I'm loved, I'm cherished, and I am uh, 
I'm one with God and my thoughts are his thoughts, his thoughts are my thoughts. We used to torment ourselves. Is what I'm doing the will of God? Well, he'll tell you, you know, <laughs> he'll tell you our thoughts are his thoughts. I listen to Mike Popovich every Saturday night. Great guy of understanding the, and, and it's, it's progressive. He learns more and more about who we are as the sons of God and our identity. But if you're struggling about the will of God, we'll just be quiet. Thought his desires are, are going to be our desires, you know? So I don't know. <laughs> I'm not to the point, I don't think where I can, uh, I can just rest in that. I, you know, it's just, it's still that got to work, got to do. And I, I'm trying to, I don't even know how to relax, but I'm learning. I'm trying just to take a few deep breaths and, uh, you know, and just rest in my oneness with God, you know. So. Yeah. You know, it says in Hebrews early on, uh, some translations say, make every effort to enter that rest. And, you know, you would think, well, make an effort to rest. They don't quite go together. But, boy, we have to intentionally focus <laughs> on resting you know it's it's not necessarily a physical effort but it, it certainly is a uh, a mental and a spiritual effort to intentionally stop our actions and our works and our striving and and just depend on him we're almost uh, done mark but we'll do another uh, recording that people will get to hear a, a week later and when we do that i want to pick up on god's will something you said there really triggered that so before we finish this episode. I'm sure that there are people can relate to you and to your journey and what you're saying. How can they connect with you? Well, we spoke earlier. My desire would be that anybody struggling with an angry God, demanding God, you feel like you're in your very best in church, you're working in the nursery, you know, you're one of the greeters and you do your best to pay the tab, but you still feel empty. And I'd love for somebody to, I'll, I'll just be honest with them. I, I haven't learned it all. But I just know that I'm never going back to legalistic religion. I, I'm not. It's like having walked out of the, uh, you know, the, the jail cell, the doors open, and deciding for some reason I'm going to go back and, and sit in that jail. I'm just, I'm not going back, you know. So uh, uh, I'm on Facebook, Mark Venable. There's lots of other Mark Venables, believe it or not, even with a, with a weird last name. But uh, I live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You ought to be able to put in the search for Mark Venable, you know, on Facebook. I don't do Twitter and all the twiddle dee, twiddle dum. I don't do all that kind of stuff. I, so I don't, but that's the surefire way. And uh, if they, we connect on Facebook and they want to call me and have a, you know, have a voice to voice conversation, I'd be glad to talk to, to people. And I'll be honest with them. You know, you saw me the other day on a, somebody was talking about hell. And I said, well, I just don't believe a good God would ever even imagine the, the ECT, you know, and then I got to this kind of argument with this guy and didn't mean to, but I just, I just say to see people, thinking that that God could possibly, and I tell Matthew, I tell Matthew, they're incompatible. If God is loving, then there is no ECT. There can't be. There cannot be. No. There cannot be. Those, those are two incompatible yeah. ideas. So God is pure light, and in him there is no darkness. And eternal conscious torments about as dark a concept that uh, you could ever imagine. And uh, it's just not true. And we have the wonderful opportunity to tell people the good news that it's not true. So well, what at the end of Romans 8, I, I posted on Facebook, I saw that you uh, liked it or whatever, you know. Yeah. Paul says, I'm convinced neither life nor death nor this or that, nor anything else in creation can separate from the love of God. Well, unless hell is eternal, it was created. Yeah. Paul said, no creative thing separate from love of God. Well, trillions of years in, you know, in this torture chamber would separate from God. But, but Paul says, no creative <laughs> thing can separate from God. I mean, you know, 
And I guess anybody, there's 40,000 uh, denominations. I guess everybody yeah. can take the scripture and, and make it say what they wanted to say. We've sure, uh, sure done that. So, I, you know, I just, uh, I'm, I'm of the mind that another thing, you know, God is not going to spare the fear, but a love and power sign might. Well, the fear insight, does hell incite fear or does it incite love? He has not given us the spirit of fear. Not at all. So, um, I've just got Don Keith's book, Heaven and Hell, or whatever. I forget the title, but he's going to talk about every word that was translated into hell. And and I, I look forward to reading that. But I don't believe it. Like I said, I want to believe in a good God, and I can't I can't believe in hell at the same time. So um, my compassion is to share my 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 yeah, my compassion. My desire is to it's different. We have to, used to have to evangelize, right? Because we're going to save people from hell. Now the evangelism is about just telling the good good word. Yeah, it's like on on uh, Home Alone. They thought the, the the old man across the street was this bad guy, and they they found out towards the end of the movie he was a good guy. You know, so yeah. we've all thought God was this demanding Zeus like God, and he he's not like that at all. No, we gone across the street. We went into his house, and he hit the, he hit the bad guy with a shovel. You know, so uh, he's a really good guy, and so I yeah. want to know more and more about it. Me too. Well, Mark, thank you so much. I know some people will want to connect with you. We're going to finish up now and and then we'll have another recording. It'll show a week later. So thanks for being with us and thank all of you who've been watching and listening today to Grace with Paul Gray. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.